welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. Get your Bibles out uh, and join with me as I read our reading for you today, which is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through to 56. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel to Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful to the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. 
just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. Well, I just want to add my uh, in-person thanks for all those who served on the road to Christmas. Do you know the shepherds over the two nights told the gospel story, the Christmas story, 23 times to hundreds of people? How good is that? We celebrate that, don't we? Uh, my thanks to the core team who have been uh, such a big part of putting Road to Christmas together and uh, those who uh, were part of the pack-up and the pack-down and all the bits and pieces, but particularly to Michael and Peter O'Loughlin. They're probably fast asleep, I imagine. They're here. There they are. They're... Would you give them a round of applause for all they've done? you remember uh, watching a movie that even though you knew it was a movie affected your reality? Mostly they're scary movies and I'm sure one comes to mind even as I'm talking. In 1975, yes I'm that old, a movie came out called Jaws. Some of you have seen it. Now thankfully I didn't see it until the 80s. But ever since then, I've kept one eye on the ocean <laughs> because I am sure that a fake paper mache machine moving shark will emerge uh, with a robotic jaw uh, and come out and eat people. Jaws taught a whole generation of people that there was something laying beneath the surface. That seemingly innocent environments are not as innocent as what you think they are. It's a little bit like today's reading. There is something that lays under the surface. I think, I think that today's reading, what is commonly called the Magnificat, which is Latin for, oh my soul, is one of the best readings when it comes to Christmas. I love it. The song of Mary, such a beautiful piece of poetry that tells us about the goodness of God. And I, I get that feeling when I read it, and like I, I quite like to, I read it over and over again. I get that feeling when I read it, it comes from a place of pure delight, a heart overflowing with joy and wonder of the goodness of what God has done and is going to do. And I encourage you this week, take a, take a moment to reread it. I, takes less than a minute to read it. But don't be disarmed by the poetry and the beauty of the language. What, what Mary puts here for us under the compulsion of the Holy Spirit is nothing short of a revolutionary manifesto. God is going to do something through the life and the work and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Something that will thank goodness, upset the order of the world and change everything. And, and Mary is conscious of it. And she so carefully and, and wonderfully under the influence of the Holy Spirit place it here so, so us who are perceptive might see it and learn from it. And so for Christmas we've picked up this theme, Come and See, and we 
of course, drawing still from Luke's gospel, but it's, but it's come and see, and it fits well with this passage. Come and see what God is doing in the life of Mary. Come and see how he takes ordinary and everyday people and he uses them for wonderful things. Come and see how God speaks through an angel. Come and see the unfolding plan of God and how salvation is arriving for us. Come and see what God is doing in the world, even through a tiny, backwater, dusty place in the far-flung realm of the Roman Empire. The bottom line is, come and see what this means for you. What God is doing in the world, but more importantly, what God is doing in your life. Let me pray. Lord, speak to us as we hear your voice. Speak to us that we know it's your voice. Speak to us in ways we can't miss. Don't let the busyness of this week overwhelm your voice, Jesus. Let us hear. Amen. I'm not going to be long today, so I'm going to get right down to the point of what I'm saying. So as you've heard already, the reading is about Mary, who is visited by an angel, is told that she's about to have a child. Not just a child. Let me reread verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. Here it is, verse 32. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Meanwhile, her cousin Elizabeth, like we heard last week, was also pregnant. And when Mary visits her, the unborn John the Baptist leaps for joy in the presence of the Saviour of the world. And there's so much to be said in these verses, but I want to take it from verse 46 onward. If you've got your Bible, that is helpful. Mary responds to all this and all that's been happening in what we call the Magnificat. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. I've loved that first line. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's a passage of Scripture that we should hear again and again. But what lies beneath the surface of this beautiful piece of literature are words, when we understand them, sow the seeds of revolution. And it's been long seen as a revolutionary document. In fact, in the last days of the British Empire in India, as they came to a close, certain clergy were warned not to include this in their service because it is too revolutionary for the masses to hear. So what's so inflammatory about it? Come and, come and see with me three quick things that we can quickly discern. They are, they, they are a, a revolution that, that contains these things, a moral revolution, a social revolution and an economic revolution. And God, through the birth of his new child, is going to upset the way and the order that the world runs. And most importantly, this has a past, a present, and a future aspect to it. So here we go, moral. Mary talks about the moral social order in her life, of life in her poem of praise. That is to say that her poem addresses the way we understand what is right and wrong in how we behave. It is the greed terms of how society functions and how we respond and respect decency towards all people. Let me reread out verse 51. It says this, He has performed mighty deeds with his, hand, with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their most innermost thoughts. You see, what's being told here is that the way things are 
are not going to be the way things always will be. Why are we being told that? Simply because of what God is, has and is going to do in the new Saviour. Verse 47 it tells us something profound. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. Why is that profound? Because, it's, because God is Mary's Saviour. That is to say God is doing a saving action in the world. Saving us from what? Saving us from the way in which we think the world should run and the way in which it is run. Notice the word pride here in verse 57, I think it was. 51. It is used in a way to tell us that those who are proud, who have dominated the world, will no longer be able to do it. That is to say, when God's economy is fully seen, all our own pride... The world's pride. Those who are ruling the world's pride will not dictate how it's going to be. Nor will those who are filled with pride have the say, have the power, have the control. Let's make it really simple by saying this. What's being inferred here is quite plain and straightforward. It's this. The saviour, that's Jesus. He's going to rewrite what we understand is morally right. That's why we see Jesus acting in the ways he does, talking to the woman at the world. That's why we see Jesus forgive the woman caught in adultery. That's why we see Jesus talk with non-Jews. That's why we see the church have a, have a heart for the poor and the broken. That's why we do winter appeals and Christmas hampers. Jesus rewrites the values that we put on people and how we treat people. He's reordering the moral values of the world to what they should be. In other words, come and see this Jesus who treats us as we don't deserve. Secondly, Jesus is bringing a social revolution. Verse 52. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. I found a story that illustrates what I'm talking about. Meritus was a wandering scholar of the Middle Ages, but he was very poor. In an Italian town, he took ill and was taken to a hospital that was used to treating poor people, waifs and strays in the old language. And the doctors who were attending him were discussing his case in Latin, never dreaming that he could understand. They suggested that since he was such a worthless wanderer, they might use him for medical experiments. He looked up and answered them in their own learned tongue. Call no one worthless for whom Christ died. Social revolution is that we are all on the same level. All because of what Jesus did for us individually and corporately. When we realise the fullness of what Jesus did, it is no longer possible to have a ranking system for people of different social standards. All of us are children of God. All of us have a unique status before God. All of us are bought with a prize. We are treasured possessions, or as Isaiah says, we are carved in the palm of his hands. You see, Jesus 
is a revolutionary in the best sense of the word. He is truly bringing about a change in the way our world organises itself and thinks about itself. So come and see this Jesus who tells you what you are worth, who prescribes value to your life, who measures you not by your worth but because of his love. In fact, God does not love us because we are valuable. God's love makes us valuable. Jesus makes God's love visible to us and he wreaks havoc with that which we think is right and true and what we think the pecking order of life is. God's social order tells you who you really are. Come and see it for yourself. The third point. And lastly, and I could say wonderfully, this song of praise to God points out an economic revolution. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things and sends the rich away empty. Of course, we all know that our world runs on an economic platform. The, the cynic in us truly would say the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And while we are in an extremely affluent part of the world and we don't see that outplayed as much, It doesn't take long for us to see it outplayed in much of the world. Yet even here at our base level, we seem to be a society who continues to remain with one single value, which is the person who dies with the most toys wins. It seems as if we are in the amassing business amassing as much as we can and we want to fill up our increasingly large houses with more stuff. You know, I have done hundreds of funerals but I have never seen a removeless van hitched to a hearse. So here is the revolution. For Jesus sends the rich away. He curtails their desires and contrary to that, he is giving those, giving that to the hungry and satisfying their desires. Those who are lacking, those who have missed out, he gives them their fill. He will meet their needs, fix their cravings, assuage the inequality that exists in our world. Abolish the hierarchy. It's, it sounds like communism when you put it down there, but it's not. It's called the kingdom of God where Jesus is in charge. Our faith provokes us to think deeply about having a lot when others have little. As we've seen with the early church, how it gives things away again and again and again, it's deeply challenging for those of us who hold the majority of the world's wealth. If we just see what's going on in other parts of the world, at this very moment, then we must be moved to pray, Jesus Bring this revolution now and be moved to act. I mean, we are seeing pictures of entire city blocks levelled that six weeks ago were homes. An old commentator says in reflecting on this passage of scripture, let me quote it to you. There is a loveliness in the Magnificat, but in that loveliness there is dynamite. Christianity begets a revolution in each person and a revolution in the world. Now we know a bit more about why Mary says, her soul glorifies the Lord. 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. She could see what was to come. She could see under the surface. You might not have seen Jaws. And if you haven't, don't bother. Because <laughs> it will ruin your beach experience forever. But my friends, can you see what Jesus is doing in the world? He's transforming and changing and making you, even you. Let's pray. Father, we bless you and we praise you for what you've done through Jesus. That you weren't satisfied to leave us to our own devices, but you invaded this earth in the most beautiful, gentle and wonderful ways in order that we might have life and it's all its abundance, that we might have a, a, a morality and a, and a social understanding and an economic understanding that includes the whole of your creation. Help us to see that. Help us to understand that. Help us to join in line with what you're doing and celebrate your goodness to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.